Today on the Word Preacher Podcast, Conspiracy Theories, A Bad Strategy, and the Most Successful Mission. I'm Brett Jensen, and this is the Word Preacher Podcast. Alright, our Come Follow Me material brings us to the book of Helaman, where we will be looking at the first six chapters. Let's go right in to looking at some conspiracy theories from the Book of Mormon. Uh, This starts in the first chapter in verse 3. Now these are their names who did contend for the judgment seat, who did also cause the people to contend. Pahoran, Peonkai, and Pecumenai. Now these are not all the sons of Pahoran, for he had many, but these are they who did contend for the judgment seat. Therefore they did cause three divisions among the people. Nevertheless it came to pass that Pahoran was appointed by the voice of the people to be chief judge and a governor over the people of Nephi. And it came to pass that Pecumenai, when he saw that he could not obtain the judgment seat, he did unite with the voice of the people. But behold, Peonkai, and that part of the people that were desirous that he should be their governor, was exceedingly wroth. Therefore he was about to flatter away those people to rise up in rebellion against their brethren. And it came to pass that as he was about to do this, behold, he was taken and was tried according to the voice of the people and condemned unto death. For he had raised up in rebellion and sought to destroy the liberty of the people. Now when those people who were desirous that he should be their governor saw that he was condemned unto death, therefore they were angry. And behold, they sent forth one Kishkuman, even to the judgment seat of Pahoran, and murdered Pahoran as he sat upon the judgment seat. And he was pursued by the servants of Pahoran, but behold, so speedy was the flight of Kishkuman that no man could overtake him. And he went unto all those that had sent him, and they all entered into a covenant, yea, swearing by their everlasting Maker that they would tell no man that Kishkuman had murdered Pahoran. Therefore Kishkuman was not known among the people of Nephi, for he was in disguise at the time he murdered Pahoran, and Kishkuman and his band who had covenanted with him did mingle themselves among the people in a manner that they could all not, that they all could not be found, but as many as were found were condemned unto death. Okay. So chapter one of Helaman. Now Moroni's abridgment, as we've concluded the Book of Alma, really emphasized the goodness of Captain Moroni and the faith demonstrated by many people. But there are a few notable exceptions, including Amalekiah and those kingmen who temporarily cast Pahoran out of Zarahemla. Uh, and if you go back to just before Captain Moroni, you find a similar group in Amlesi and his followers. And if you go the other direction, now here we have Kishkuman. So this isn't like a one-time thing. There are remnants of this this recurring cancer. Um, And 
what we learn from the Book of Mormon, the warning that Mormon provides, is that it can be found in all civilizations. It has many names and many faces. These conspiracies um, can be called the secret plans of old, or secret combinations, or just conspiracies. We have cartels and mobs, terrorists and gangs uh, who are actually plotting to do crime and gain power, commit murders and robberies to gain themselves. Now, it's easy to dismiss some of these ideas as just conspiracy theories, and there are um, some who push false conspiracy theories for various reasons. For example, Hitler blamed a conspiracy of Jews for Germany's World War I losses. Um, people who uh, attribute various things to ancient aliens or, uh, or who find any remote connection at all and declare Illuminati confirmed. Um, these might not be legitimate. There are, however, legitimate conspiracies, people who work together in order to accomplish something bad, to take advantage of others to get gain. Um, consider the text in the Word of Wisdom, Doctrine and Covenants section 89, warning about evils and designs which do and will exist in the hearts of conspiring men in the last days. And then goes on to warn about consumption of alcohol and, uh, and other uh, substances that are not good because of conspiracies. Of course, the secret combinations of angry Nephites who wanted government control and were willing to kill to get it, also clearly documented. So, Eventually, there's this power vacuum. Pahoran was elected chief judge, but he gets murdered. Um, Pecumeni, uh, he uh, ends up getting killed as well. And, uh, and Payankai was condemned to death for s trying to start his rebellion to get power himself. Um, so there's a little bit of a power vacuum. Eventually, after a lot of debate, the people vote for Helaman, the son of Helaman. Well, after this occurs, a man named Gadianton felt that his time had come. And with cunning and flattery, he persuaded Kishkuman and others of this band of criminals that they could kill Helaman and get the judgment seat for Gadianton. That if they put him on the judgment seat, he would award them with power and wealth and prestige, and their secret organization would flourish. Um, not only would they be better govern governors, but also they would have all of these desirable things. And therefore it was willing, it was it was acceptable to use any means necessary to obtain this. Well, Kishkumen had already killed, and so he was a natural uh, choice to go and get rid of Helaman. 
But what he did not anticipate was that one of Helaman's servants had infiltrated the organization and met with Kishkumen and, uh, and knew a sign to give him to let him know that he was in on the conspiracy. And Kishkumen trusted him because of this sign, um, which led Kishkumen to believe that this servant could help him get into the judgment seat and perform his task of murder. So Kishkumen lets down his guard, and in that moment, this servant of Elman finds opportunity to put this uh, attempt at murder uh, to bed, to rest, and he takes his knife and stabs Kishkumen, and then, leaving him to die, goes and reports his findings to Helaman. Now, Gadianton, who's waiting for Kishkumen to come and bring word that Helaman is dead, is a little bit nervous when Kishkumen does not return. And to play it safe, he and all of his men scatter into the wilderness, where they cannot be chased and found. What is the lesson from this? Now, it might be tempting to say, oh, just hunt down conspirators, lie to them, and stab them when they don't expect it, just like Helaman's servant. That's obviously what the Book of Mormon is trying to teach me. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. But it's also not to pretend the conspirators don't exist. It is vital to guard against evils. There are people who are trying to do bad, bad things. And law enforcement and individuals must be empowered to stop these criminal conspiracies. There needs to be a culture of avoiding corruption of honesty and truth. This is the best way to inoculate society against this type of conspiracy, is agreeing with law and order and, uh, and trying to go through about things a legal and lawful way. All right, let's move on to the next point, a really bad strategy. Now, previously, we talked about how the Lamanite armies had been pressing against Nephite territory and acquiring their cities and expanding their territory, and, uh, and it, was, it was a tough time for the Nephites. They had a difficult time dealing with this. Um, after Amaron, the brother of Amalickiah, had been killed by Teancum, and then Teancum had been killed uh, after that assassination, um, a new king of the Lamanites rose, and he had a new commander in his army, a man named Coriantumr, who came up with a really bad idea. But the Lamanites loved it. They just ate it up. The idea was, instead of trying to get these heavily defended cities on the peripheral, they would go right into the heart of Nephite territory, right to Zarahemla. And they wouldn't, the Nephites wouldn't expect that, so they could do whatever they want. So, I, I don't know, maybe they thought it was like a game of chess, and if they just take the, you know, quote-unquote king, or capture the capital, 
then uh, the credits roll and they win. Um, this is kind of what happened. Let's go into a little reading, starting in verse 27 of chapter 1. But behold, the Lamanites were not frightened according to his desire, but they had come into the center of the land and had taken the capital city, which was the city of Zarahemla, and were marching through the most capital parts of the land, slaying the people with a great slaughter, both men, women, and children, taking possession of many cities and of many strongholds. But when Moroni Ha had discovered this, he immediately sent forth Lehi with an army roundabout to head them before they should come to the land Bountiful. And thus he did, and he did head them before they came to the land Bountiful, and he gave unto them battle, insomuch that they began to retreat back towards the land of Zarahemlah. And it came to pass that Moroni did head them in their retreat, and to give them battle, insomuch that it became an exceedingly bloody battle, yea, many were slain, and among the number who were slain was Coriantumr. And now, behold, the Lamanites could not retreat either way, neither on the north, nor on the south, nor on the east, nor on the west, for they were surrounded on every hand by the Nephites. And thus had Coriantumr plunged the Lamanites into the midst of the Nephites, insomuch that they were in the power of the Nephites. And he himself was slain, and the Lamanites did yield themselves into the hands of the Nephites. So, seeming like, oh, we'll go for this weak spot, but then you're totally cut off. This is not a sustainable strategy. Um, now, what we find is that this lesson is actually really applicable. The Lamanite commander here, Coriantumr, uh, he doesn't have a monopoly on unsustainable strategies. Uh, there are lots of people today who find themselves in similar situations financially, rushing to get into debt to get things that they want immediately, and finding that they cannot sustain this lifestyle that they want to have. God does not seem to be a big fan of get-rich-quick schemes. In fact, he declared, even in the days of Adam, that in the sweat of our faces we shall eat bread until we return to the dust. There's no shame in doing a realistic analysis of things that are actually in the realm of possible and doing what we can to improve ourselves in our circumstances. Beware of anyone who recommends living outside your means. Prepare for a rainy day with emergency funds and supplies. Think about consequences, positive and negative, for the actions that you plan to take, and understand the risks. Now, this doesn't mean avoid all risk or avoid improvement, lest at any time something bad happen. Um, expand the borders of your capabilities through developing knowledge, skill, and strength. Don't charge into the middle of a problem, whether that may be for you weight loss or kicking a bad habit, preparing to run a marathon, writing a book. Find incremental ways to improve consistently. This also applies 
to penitence and obedience. It can be possible for people to feel overwhelmed with all of the commandments and responsibilities that may come with uh, covenanting to follow Jesus Christ. This can really be avoided if we go to the Lord regularly, we ponder carefully, we pray, we search the scriptures, and determine just one thing that God would have us do better, and focus on that. And as other things come up, we'll, we'll find that our ability to sustain this will become easier to do. It will become sustainable as we work from the borders instead of plunging right in, thinking we can do everything, and becoming discouraged when we fall short. All right, let's move on to the, the most successful mission. Uh, this missionary effort that was conducted was incredible. Um, let's, let's start with some reading. Helaman chapter 5, first four verses. And it came to pass in the same year, behold, Nephi delivered up the judgment seat to a man whose name was Caesarum. For their, for as their laws and their governments were established by the voice of the people, and they who chose evil were more numerous than they who chose good, therefore they were ripening for destruction, for the laws had become corrupted. Yea, and this was not all, they were a stiff-necked people, insomuch that they could not be governed by law, nor justice, save it were to their destruction. And it came to pass that Nephi had become weary because of their iniquity, and he yielded up the judgment seat and took it upon him to preach the word of God all the remainder of his days, and his brother Lehi also all the remainder of his days. So over time, the adversary had encouraged incremental cultural changes until the culture no longer embraced good. They had justified it's okay to do these unlawful things uh, to get ahead, to get an advantage, to make up for whatever you know disadvantage you think you're in. Um, that may seem similar to the current situation where people in various places have decided that oh, it's okay for certain crimes to be committed. Um, in spite of the love of evil that had grown among so many people, Nephi here was determined to preach the gospel. Let's read about what they had done. Helaman chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. And it came to pass that they did preach with great power, insomuch that they did confound many of those dissenters who had gone over from the Nephites insomuch that they came forth and did confess their sins and were baptized unto repentance and immediately returned to the Nephites to endeavor to repair unto them the wrongs which they had done. And it came to pass that Nephi and Lehi did preach unto the Lamanites with such great power and authority, for they had power and authority given unto them that they might speak, and they also had what they should speak given unto them. Therefore they did speak unto the great astonishment of the Lamanites, to the convincing them, insomuch that there were eight thousand of the Lamanites who were in the land of Zarahemla and round about, 
baptized unto repentance, and were convinced of the wickedness of the traditions of their fathers. Okay, this is incredible. These are people that previously were considered lost. They, they weren't coming back. They had turned their backs on faith. They had their hearts hardened. They were living in a culture that embraced crime. And here, Nephi and his brother Lehi were successful in changing hearts and minds. What technique could have done that? Well, a careful rereading of the verse uh, does not emphasize softness and empathy. It does emphasize power and authority to the confounding of dissenters and convincing them. Great power and authority. That's really impressive. I, I frequently wonder, what would that have sounded like? I would like to have known what what was it that was different about this approach from what Nephites had previously done when they had gone to preach. Now, after they had finished in Nephite territory, uh, they they went down to the land of Nephi where the Lamanites had been, where um, the sons of Mosiah had gone generations before in their great missionary service. And a great spiritual experience was had. And from this, the word spread among many Lamanites of the power of Jesus Christ. And this time, the Lamanites laid down their hatreds and retreated from Nephite lands. The Lamanites ultimately became convinced of Christ to the point they were more righteous than the Nephites. And they began sending missionaries to come up to the, the Nephite lands to teach them with great power and authority. This is incredible. The message of Christ ended a conflict that had lasted centuries. The Nephites and Lamanites became free to go anywhere they wanted in any part of the land. The war was over. This is something that, I mean, you could hardly believe this. This had lasted, this conflict had lasted centuries. What changed? A shared culture of righteousness. People with various cultural backgrounds that accept Christ and have a desire to implement goodness in their individual lives, when, when magnified to the majority of the people, this created this great peace. The Word of God brought something that no other strategy had done. It changed bad men into good men, and good men to better men. The world needs a little bit more of the Word of God today. Develop for yourself a smart strategy to increase it, and not just in a temporary way, in a sustainable way. Ultimately, the peace that the Nephites won was not sustained because they did not correctly identify and resist secret combinations and evil. Learn 
to recognize and resist evil around you. We appreciate all the support for the Word Preacher podcast. Next week we will be looking at Helaman chapters 7 through 12, a Nephite murder mystery. Um, of course, as always, there's a ton of stuff we did not cover. Study this independently and with your family. And as always, fight on.